This is Slack and Slash Productions. Bringing you an extra special bonus Strahdcast, a fast cast. Scott the DM here. I want to talk about the village of Kresk, one of the three settlements in Barovia, the setting for the Curse of Strahd. Now, in the podcast episodes uh, that have been dropped so far, we're only about halfway through the adventures in Kresk, but in real life, I've already run them, and so I have lots of thoughts about how you, as a DM, might be able to improve upon them. Like a lot of things in the Curse of Strahd, there are some great seeds here, the potential for some exciting stories and frights, but uh, in execution, I think it's a little lacking, and I wanted to give you what I had learned about it and uh, how it paid off for me. So I'm going to do this kind of in two sections, because Kresk itself is only a sort of table setting for the main course, which is the Abbey of St. Markovia. I don't want to talk too much about the Abbey at first, but I will get to it in the second part of this podcast. The Abbot himself is an NPC I'll touch on a little bit, but he's interesting enough that he kind of deserves his own whole thing. So maybe I will save some of that for a different podcast. So let's begin in the village of Kresk itself. If the three villages of Barovia represent the epitome of particular reactions to horror, I'd say Barovia itself represents fear, and Valaki is sort of the manifestation of wrath, and uh, Kresk seems to be despair, if it's anything. Uh, the result of that, I think, is that it's pretty boring compared to most of the other settings. Uh, Maybe that's by design. Maybe the game's designers really wanted a spot where the PCs could rest and recover and uh, take stock, instead of having to deal with as many different conflicts and factions and plots as there are in, say, Balaki. If that was their intention, then they made a serious mistake right from the get-go, because there is a fetch quest required before you even enter the walled city of Kresk. Uh, according to the text at the gatehouse, the burgomaster is not going to let in the PCs unless they go get some wine from the Wizard of Wines. That's uh, their manner of proving their worth to the burgomaster. Um, I don't think that's justified. Um, for one thing, there really isn't enough payoff once you get inside. Uh, Going to the Wizard of Wines is great. Uh, There's lots of fun stuff you can do there as well. But uh, this excuse to send the PCs there uh, is a little bit thin. Uh, Depending on where you are in your campaign, I think that by the time the PCs get here, they're either coming from Valaki or maybe from Argenvost, and they're going to be exhausted and worn down, and you can just give them a break. I think just let them in and, you know, mention that there's no wine or something. And if they want to take that hook up, go for it. Um, But that uh, immediate obstacle at the beginning of the Crest experience really rubbed me the wrong way. I don't think it's useful at all. I just had them use some social checks to get past the guards. Now, once you get into Crest, you can learn some things. There's a list of lore items in Crest. 
just like there is uh, in any of the other villages. And I'll mention each one of them quickly in turn, and then I'll uh, dive into some of them in detail. Uh, the first has to do with the uh, werewolves, direwolves, and plain old wolves that live around the village. Well, big surprise, there are dangerous things in the woods. Then there's the Wizard of Wines. Uh, they haven't delivered recently. That is uh, news. Uh, then we hear that the Burgomaster, Kreskov, has recently lost his son Ilya to illness. Uh, this becomes a sort of event-slash-plot, um, although I view it almost as an excuse to get you going all the way back to the lock, and I'll explain why later on. Um, then there's mention of a pool at the north end of the village. I'll get to that. And then pretty much the rest of the lore items have to do with the abbey. So that's why I called Kreska sort of table setting. Uh, it's an appetizer for the main dish when you get up to the abbey, and most of the arrows in Kresk are pointing you in that direction. The only arrow that's pointing you in the other direction, uh, back to Balaki, is that plot with Ilya and the Burgomaster that I mentioned. But even that has an abbey tie-in, as I'll get to. Um, the, the family tragedy in uh, the Burgomeister's family uh, might touch some of the PCs. It might affect them and motivate them to do something, uh, but I, I doubt it. And that's partly because of the way Dmitry Kreskov is presented in the module. It says he is a lord and expects to be treated like one. He places the safety of his village above the welfare of strangers. He even assumes that the characters are Strahd's allies or enemies, it says. But either way, their presence spells trouble for Kresk. So that's a very combative relationship to start off. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if a lot of PCs, having met the Burgomaster and then learned that he recently lost his son, would just shrug and say, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. So I don't see this particular plot as being particularly well set up. I changed some things in my version of it, and I'll get to those a little bit later. Now, what about that pool I mentioned? Uh, before we go off chasing uh, the Abbey or Balaki, there's this mysterious pool on the north end of Kresk. This is really the only location in Kresk itself, other than the Abbey, that bears any kind of scrutiny. And the reason it's so important is that if you bring Irina to it, then a video game-style cutscene is unlocked, and Irina gets to reunite with her long-lost love, Sergei. Or rather, Tatiana gets to reunite with Sergei, because Irina isn't the same as Tatiana. It's not well written. It's not well explained. From the best I can tell, it seems kind of like the Shrine of the White Sun is some kind of dimensional portal, because Sergei doesn't exist in Barovia. Um, maybe this is just his ghost, but even if that's the case, if you bring Irina there, she's a living human being, and then she goes into the water and becomes a ghost? That That's called drowning. So, this seems like it's just a very arbitrary way to resolve uh, a plot. The plot of protecting Irina. And that's fine. I don't mind that the authors have put in this way of resolving that plot. It's good to have an out. I don't like the execution at all. It feels very deus ex machina. I have a lot of questions about it. Uh, it seems like a waste of Irina. It seems like a waste of Sergei. And it's a distracting glitch in the Matrix, because one of the big issues, one of the big challenges about Barovia is that there's no escape from it. 
Barovia is a sealed entity, and as soon as you introduce characters or locations that seem to transport people out of Barovia, well, the PCs could get very interested in that for their own purposes. And that's totally a red herring. It's not supposed to be that. So the event that occurs at the Shrine of the White Sun, in the module it's described arbitrarily as something blue, seems like it's very perfunctory. It's just there to provide closure for a particular plot, but in a very, I think, a very unsatisfying way. Finally, you've got lore involving the Abbey. Like I said, it's almost guaranteed that the PCs will want to visit the Abbey after they hear so many stories about it. But getting to the Abbey doesn't need to be the top priority. Spending some time in Kresk is nice as well. The module provides four events for while you're in Kresk, and that's a high number for Curse of Strahd. Um, so I'll go through those as well. They're related to what I've already said. The first one is about the abbot coming to visit the Burgomaster and raising his son Ilya from the dead. Remember the Burgomaster's son, Ilya, died of a mysterious illness? Well, the abbot can raise him from the dead, but will then turn around and demand that Dimitri do something for him, and it involves going to Valaki. And the expectation of the writers is that the PCs will end up doing this fetch quest instead of the Burgomaster himself. In fact, they'll be escorting his wife. It's rather convoluted. It's a dumb quest. We're looking for a wedding dress for a flesh golem. And I don't think that the PCs would necessarily be involved with this at all because they don't like the Burgomaster the way he's been presented. They're going to go stay somewhere else if they can. They might even skip him and go directly to the Abbey, and then none of this matters at all. The death of Ilya, the son of the Burgomaster, is very rudimentary, in the sense that it doesn't have any pathos, it doesn't evoke any kind of role-playing, it's just an excuse to get the abbot down in town. I don't recommend using it. I did use a variation of it, but I'll get to that in a bit. Now, the next event is barely an event at all. It has to do with a newborn uh, child, and it's reminding the PCs, if they don't already know, that some people in Barovia, some newborns in Barovia, are born without souls. This is weird information in the module as written, because there's really not a lot that the PCs are allowed to do with it. And I want to come back to it in a minute and talk about how Kresk and the Abbey in particular can be really useful sites for exploring the implications of that, and putting PCs in an ethical dilemma. I think the idea of some people being born without souls is really fascinating, and this setting gave me an opportunity to explain, to explore the implications of that and apply it directly to the PCs. So as written, this is a non-plot. It's worth ignoring, but as I incorporated it into my own game, I think it was very useful. Then there's the wedding dress, and this is actually the same as the first event, raising Ilya, because once the Burgomaster is in debt to the abbot, then he's going to ask the Burgomaster to go get a wedding dress from Balaki. Like I said, the PCs are expected to do this. It's dumb. It's a useless fetch quest. And the PCs have probably already been to Balaki. If they started in Barovia, they certainly would have passed through Balaki on their way to Kresk. So I mixed it all together. Finally, there's the Something Blue plot, which I already mentioned. Irina reunited with Sergei. There isn't a lot of clues that actually bring you right to this point. So, you know, Irina's brother 
suggests that she be taken to Crest, but I don't think there's anything in the module that suggests she be taken to the Shrine of the White Sun. And maybe I've missed something, but it just doesn't seem intuitive that the PCs would bring Irina there and then stand there waiting for something to happen. It's really video game logic. So I think that uh, something blue is also worth ignoring, except if you really want Sergei to be a presence in your game. Sergei, Strahd's brother, and one of the chief reasons for Strahd's fall into evil, is an important NPC who almost never appears in the campaign. And this is one of those rare opportunities to see him and maybe have a conversation with him. I think it's more intriguing if Sergei does see Irina, but they can't be reunited in this context, because Sergei, well, he's dead, and Irina is a human being. Even though she's the reincarnation of Tatiana, she can't just leave her life and go be with him. I don't think that's reasonable. So here's an opportunity for some real tragedy. Sergei beholding his lost love, being unable to connect with her. Maybe the uh, maybe Irina remembers Sergei for the first time when he, she sees him reflected in the pool, but they can't actually connect. In other words, it's an opportunity to convey some details about the plot and potentially gain an ally in the Ghost of Sergei without actually creating this arbitrary deus ex machina resolution for an important plot. On the other hand, if your PCs are sick of hauling Irina around with them, by all means, dump her here. It works just fine. So those are the events, such as they are. Now, I want to talk about Crest from a different perspective, because when I approach an environment like this, as a DM, the first thing I think about is who lives there? Who are the NPCs that matter in this world? So, first of all, the very first ones that are mentioned are a couple of guards at the gatehouse. Uh, they are male and female humans. That's their entire identity. Um, I gave them names, and I gave them a couple of character traits each, and it turned out that my PCs didn't really have much to do with them, but I wanted there to be a couple of kind of lower-class citizens in the town of Kresk that they could relate to if they needed to. The other thing I added was some Martikov action, um, and that's partly because I took out that fetch quest about sending the PCs to the Wizard of Wines. I wanted Kresk to be a place where they could easily access, but then maybe while they were there, be reminded that the Martikovs exist. So I had a new NPC, a Martikov, a relative of the ones they'd already met in Velaki, living here in Kresk. And I had Brom and Bray, two of the Velaki NPCs, come visit their uncle here in Kresk by flying over. And that gave the PCs the clues that they needed to figure out that this is a family of were-ravens. Then Kreskov and his family, the Burgomaster Dimitri, his wife Anna, I changed her name to Zenobia for reasons, I gave them a couple of servants. I thought, again, having a sort of lower-class element to the family might be useful. I changed Dimitri's personality entirely. He's not arrogant. He is mourning the loss of his child. He's in despair and desperate for anyone who might be able to provide a glimmer of hope in this terrible time. And Anna, well, she's described as fearless, which is cool. Uh, I would never suggest changing that. But I also acknowledge that she just lost a child, and that is going to affect anyone. Uh, so both of them came off immediately as uh, in great despair and distress, and I even had the two of them argue about whether or not to report the PCs to Strahd, because they knew that, uh, the, that Strahd was hunting them. 
uh, I knew as a DM that that was not going to happen, that Dimitri would convince Zenobia, as I called her, to uh, leave the BCs alone and not report them. It was a, a, a false flag, if you will, but it was an opportunity for drama uh, and an opportunity to hold the coals to the PCs' feet. I want to keep them moving at all times. Now, the other change that I made to the Kreskov family is that their child, Ilya, did not die at the age of 14 from a mysterious illness. In my version, he was an infant, and it's gradually revealed that he was killed, murdered by his own mother. The latest in a series of infanticides. She buries them in the backyard. The reason they are all dead is because they are born without souls. So here's what I've done. I took the soulless newborn event and merged it with the two events that relate to the Burgomaster's family. I wanted the attitude about soulless Barovians to hit home hard. I wanted the PCs to realize that this was a serious ethical issue. Here we have a mother who desperately wants a child, but when she sees, or at least believes, that her infants have no souls, she cannot love them. She cannot bring herself to raise them. So she kills them, and the Burgomaster protects this secret. Now what we've got is a mystery, and DMs can create all kinds of clues and hints and suspicions around mysteries, and then give the PCs an opportunity to decide what to do once the truth has been revealed. I wanted this to be a moment of existential horror for my PCs. The realization that people in Barovia are so desperate that they would resort to killing their own children if they thought that they were monsters. Incidentally, and I'll get back to this in a bit, I wanted the abbot to be obsessed with the issue of souls as well. I like a good motif, and so if there are people down in the town who are particularly obsessed with the soullessness of some Barovians, then the abbot should be the same, and take those concerns to an even greater extreme. Now, this plot about infanticide is obviously not for everyone. It should probably come with a trigger warning. And if you suspect that your players are not interested in discovering a mother who murders her own newborns, then just stick with what's written down and don't go inserting this, because it's a kind of horror that not everybody necessarily wants to experience. But if it appeals to you and you think your PCs can handle it, then at the very least it's a mystery, something for them to feel smart as they resolve. Now I want to talk about how Crest played out for my PCs, and having done that, I'll go on and talk a bit about the Abbey. When the PCs arrived at Crest, they were hurting. They had just been beat down at Argon Vostholt, and in particular, the cleric, Ralston, was in a, a magical coma, we'll say. Uh, DM's Fiat put him in a coma so that I could have a little bit of uh, role-playing in a sort of dream state, blah blah blah. But I wanted them to arrive at Kresk in desperate need of some kind of medicinal assistance. Shouldn't be hard to contrive that, right? Whether it's lycanthropy or a curse, something that is going to make them desperate for help, so that as soon as they get in town, people can start suggesting that the abbot is the solution. 
And I like the idea of the abbot being at least temporarily a mysterious figure, a shadowy figure in the background. Everybody talks about him. Some people seem scared of him. But yeah, if you've got a problem, you definitely want to talk to the abbot. You want to talk to the abbot. So this worked out very well. Ralston was unconscious. The servants at the burgomaster's house sent for the abbot, and he came down. And instead of raising uh, an anonymous dead child from, from death, he raised or he cured Ralston of his magically imposed coma. So that gave them the same impact, I think, that the abbot is powerful, uh, a little sinister, not to be trifled with. Incidentally, also, the abbot extends an invitation to the PCs after he meets them. Please come up to my abbey, and we'll get to know each other better. Just in case they didn't decide to bite into that hook. While the PCs were in town, they also met the other NPCs that I wanted them to. That's the Martikovs and the Kreskov family. Uh, and they decided, once Ralston was feeling better, to head directly to the Abbey, which works out just fine for me. Like I said, there wasn't really much going on in Kresk to begin with. When they got back to Kresk after visiting the Abbey, they were able to resolve the plot about Dimitri and his wife. And kudos to the player who plays Ralston. He came up with a great way to fool the peasants into accepting a kind of snake oil solution to the problem. He kind of felt that if they were dumb enough to kill their babies, then they're dumb enough to accept this uh, faulty cure. Uh, I liked the resolution because it's a morally gray kind of thing. Um, but your PCs will probably resolve it in different ways. Finally, I'll mention that when my PCs arrived in Kresk, Irina was not with them. She had already parted ways with them, and therefore the pool, uh, the Shrine of the White Sun, was a non-starter. Maybe it'll come back at some other time. So after all of that, the PCs did go to the Abbey. And the main attractions in the Abbey are the Mongrel Men, the Bellevue family, and Vazilka, who is a flesh golem, designed to be Strahd's bride. I felt both of these elements were pretty arbitrary. I didn't really understand in the campaign as written why the abbot has been changing humans into mongrel men. Uh, the explanation provided seemed weak, and it seemed totally separate from constructing flesh golems. I wanted to tie those things a little closer together, and tie them to issues of religion and faith. Because, spoilers here, the abbot is a bona fide angel. A deva, in D&D terms, but yeah, an angel. And I wanted his M.O. to reflect that. The reveal that he's an angel should be slow. He is probably one of the most fascinating NPCs in all of Curse of Strahd's. Maybe the most fascinating outside of Strahd himself. Uh, but if he reveals all his secrets early on, uh, or if he comes across as a generic bad guy too early, then the PCs will lose interest in him. So I designed him to be a man of mystery. The mongrel men were revealed to be his wards, and gradually he revealed that he had implanted them with uh, animal parts, in an attempt to restore souls to their soulless bodies. His manic logic was that animals have souls, and so he could graft those souls directly onto them. 
And then I went one further, and when he revealed the Zilka to the PCs, he explained that she also contained an animal part. The heart of a lioness was my choice. This was an attempt for the abbot to infuse his flesh golem with a soul, because that would make Strahd want her more. I also made it clear that the Zilka looks almost exactly like Irina, and the explanation for this, although the PCs didn't look too far into it, was that the abbot has actually created a composite out of the bodies of previous incarnations of Irina. Remember, Tatiana's soul keeps getting reborn in Barovia, and I assumed that most of her incarnations looked like her, so a little bit of grave robbing could actually yield six or seven different Tatianas that the abbot could paste together. So that was my extended explanation for this flesh golem, and we'll just call her Tatiana from this point on. I saw no reason to give her a different name. But this is another ethical dilemma, and when the abbot welcomes the PCs and explains his reasoning, and then only at the end reveals that he's constructed this flesh golem, the PCs are in another ethical dilemma. What do they do about this creature? Are they going to defy the abbot's will and slaughter her, or are they going to do what they're asked? And in this case, instead of asking the PCs to go back to Valaki to get a wedding dress, I had the abbot ask them to escort Tatiana directly to Castle Ravenloft. She's ready. It's time for her to go and meet her groom. And again, a difficult ethical question for them. Are they going to risk their lives for what they saw pretty much immediately was a very absurd and desperate tactic? I added a couple of things to the, uh, to the abbey because uh, I thought the design was a little lacking. So there's a library now that was important to me because my PCs desperately needed a chance to do some research. And I also created something called the Silent Ward, which is just uh, the lower-level um, cages, but with a permanent silent spell cast over them. Um, that just adds a little terror and mystery to that area. Um, I also changed a detail in the Haunted Hospital. There's a lot of details in the Haunted Hospital that you can take or leave. They don't affect the plot. They're just there for creep-out value. Uh, but what I did was fixate on the room called the Nursery, and I tied that into Baba Lizaga. She's the nursemaid of Strahd in Strahd's uh, origin story. And so I wanted any opportunity where Nursemaid comes up to be linked to Baba Lizaga. Um, this is not a link that I necessarily recommend you make, Baba Saga plays a very important role in my campaign because her card was drawn in the initial Taroka reading, and so I've been making a lot of broad changes to try and build that into the campaign more early. So that was just my personal touch, I would say. You don't necessarily need to take that to heart. Uh, and if you listen to the podcasts and you get to the point where the nursery is revealed, uh, definitely don't do it exactly as I did. Uh, it was a contrivance uh, and an opportunity to deal with some NPC stuff. It was not for all seasons. So generally what ended up happening with the Abbey is that the PCs, having arrived and met the Abbot, had this gradual understanding that although he was a good man, he was misguided, and he had let his, uh, he had let his quest to, to redeem Strahd get out of hand. Uh, ultimately, he chose to reveal himself to them as an angel, 
and maybe they'll meet him again. Uh, there was no confrontation between them. Uh, once they realized what he really was, they decided he was too powerful to fight, and they buggered off. Um, they ended up releasing the Flesh Golem by mistake, kind of accidentally, and so she got to go on to lots of other adventures, too. So, ultimately for me, Kresk and the Abbey was a place where adventures got seeded and started rather than totally resolved, but perhaps that was the intention from the beginning, and I've just kind of come back around to it in my understanding of it. Uh, I certainly don't see it as a place where showdowns are going to occur, um, and if there are PCs or plots that intrigue you and you want to develop them into something bigger, then make sure to make it clear to your players that this is some place where they want to spend a great deal of time. Otherwise, they might get the impression from the module as written that this is just a temporary stop and they've got to be moving on, either back to Velaki, up to the Abbey, and then ultimately to other spots as well. That's not such a bad thing. But it's nice to have a sense of character for each location they visit, and I think the changes that I made created a strong sense of character, especially with the motif of soulless Barovians and the desperate and insane methods by which Barovians seek to deal with that weird ontological problem. That's it for now. Happy gaming! Broadcast is produced by Slack and Slash Productions. We're based in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, also known as Unamagi, the unceded and ancestral territory of the Mi'kmaq people. Other participants have joined the podcast remotely using Zoom from Treaty 6 land, aka Alberta, as well as Seminole Territory, aka Florida. We're honored and grateful to live and work on native land. They're called First Nations for a reason. Our campaign is inspired by, and uses material from, both Curse of Strahd Revamped, published by Wizards of the Coast, and the Curse of Strahd Legendary Edition, published by Beetle and Grimms. Special thanks to Laura and Tracy Hickman for writing I-6 Ravenloft, the module that started it all. Let us know what you think of us. You can find us at slackandslashpod.com. Or search us on Facebook or Twitter using the same phrase, Slack and Slash Pod, all one word. If you like what we do, please rate or review us on the podcast platform where you found us. Until next time, thanks for listening. Be brave and shine bright. Shine bright.